welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review our show. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, Alex Wong, filling in for Will Lu in the first 10 minutes. He was just at the... OVO Athletic Center after practice grabbing an interview with Jakob Pertl, which we're going to run in the second segment. And Will will be joining me, uh, yeah, whenever his uh, car arrives here at uh, OMP. But in the first segment, we are going to recap Toronto's win over the Denver Nuggets last night. They opened the three-game homestand with a 125-110 win over the top team, in the Western Conference, um, I think this was in contention for most impressive win of the season. They started the first quarter with a franchise record, 49 points. And as always, as with every Raptors game this season, you know, they had to give up the lead a little bit, which they did in the third quarter. And um, they were able to put up a really impressive final 12 minutes to put the game away. And, you know, it's really interesting Thinking about this game, I know we were here on Monday coming off that one in four road trip, talking about all the struggles that the team has had to the point where we created a bingo card um, of, of all the things that seems to take place with every Raptor game this season, you know, starting 0 of 10 from the field, you know, the bench giving up the lead and all of that stuff. But I feel like obviously more positive tone, positive vibes today coming off the win. And and one of the things that has really stood out to me, I think, thinking about since the trade deadline and with the ac- acquisition of Jakob Pertl, who will be who will be playing the interview um, in the second segment, is, you know, the Raptors starting lineup with Jakob have been performing really well. And I think that's actually understating it, you know, in the seven games that this new starting lineup has been able to to play together when they've been healthy with Fred Pascal, Scotty OG, and Jakob. They're scoring 125.4 points per 100 possessions and have uh, a plus 18.8 net rating during that span. And if you look at Jakob himself in, in the 368 minutes that he's played, he's got a plus 10 rating when he's been on the floor. And the Raptors are allowing only 106.2 points per 100 possessions when he's on the court. And um, thankfully, we have Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com joining us now on the line. Uh, what's going on, V? Happy uh, happy uh, Jacob Wednesday. Wow. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I mean, just listening to you rattle off numbers was throwing me off. I wasn't sure if I was on the right show. You know but... what? It was throwing me off, man. I was tripping over myself <laughs> just being like, what, what universe is this? that I'm in. Um, v, you were at the game last night. And first of all, thank you for, for joining us on the show on such short notice. But you were at the game and, you know, I was going to talk about the starting lineup and obviously Fred having a huge game and, you know, the Raptors having this impressive win. Um, what were the things that stood out to you? Because it's been it's been very rare this season um, to, to see a win like that from the Raptors. Yeah, I think, I think first off, obviously the start, right? Like you drop 49 points in the first quarter. Um, the offense is in a flow. Fred Van Vliet is in a flow. Uh, I thought Scotty Barnes started pretty well as well. And then you have the matchup where 
OG just seems to love going up against Nikola Jokic. Um, and I think the added bonus of having Pertl in the back line, uh, being able to help off Aaron Gordon if he needs to, um, to contest at the rim if Jokic does indeed uh, get in there. Uh, Nick Nurse talked about the importance of having OG pick up Jokic full court because that is something he likes to do, right? Just bring the ball up and run the offense from there. Um, I think taking some of those touches away has been really important, and they continue to execute that really, really well. Uh, With Fred, I think the way he's playing in March, this is what he talked about coming into the season, right? That he wanted to peak at the right time. So far in March, he's at 19.5 points per game, 9.5 assists, 2.7 steals, shooting 42% from three. Um, and so you hope that this continues because obviously he has great chemistry uh, with Jakob Perdo in the pick and roll. Um, you know, I was joking that last night he was seeing five Ben, five ben Taylors and Nuggets jerseys. <laughs> and hopefully that's the case for the rest of the season. Yeah, no, he had a great game. And like just speaking on Jakob, um, you know, this being Jacob slash um, Jakob Wednesday. <laughs> um, as you know, V, I'm going to beat any joke into the ground, especially with you. Um, yep. Do you think Fred is, is, is the biggest beneficiary when, when it comes to, you know, the Raptors having added Jakob to, to the starting lineup? Without a doubt. I, I think when you look at just being able to operate in the half court, having that outlet in Yak who can make decisions, uh, you know, at the nail, at the mid post, um, can take it strong himself to the basket. I think that's something that the Raptors just have not had. And so I think that's a huge bonus for Fred, just having a legitimate big man that he can run the pick and roll with. Uh, and, you know, you, you saw some of the criticisms uh, before the trade of, you know, in terms of how he operated in the half court. And you're seeing how much of that was limited by not having a legitimate big man. And so I think he's been a huge beneficiary uh, on the offensive end. And I think defensively as well, again, having Jacoperto as a rim protector uh, has aided him. I think there's times where he can get beat, but this buys him time to recover. And I think all those little things make a difference in how we watch Fred defensively. And so, yeah, for sure, uh, he's a huge beneficiary, but I'd, I'd put OG up there as well. Um you know, obviously, in this case, he was matched up against Jokic. But in general, when you look at the other matchups he's had, whether he's going up against a DeRozan or a Beal uh, or a Kawhi or a Paul George, like he can focus on that without worrying about taking a beating from a center uh, at another point in the game, right? And so I think that's another beneficiary. Uh, Nick Nurse mentioned how uh, Jakob's rolling is opening up three-point looks for him. And so we've seen him shoot the ball really, really well, especially the last four games. Um, and so I think that's probably the second guy I, I put there in terms of beneficiaries from Jakob's arrival. Yeah, and, and, you know, speaking of OG, you know, four threes last night and 24 points, 10 of 14 from the field. And that's his third straight game with, with four made threes and, and four straight games now with at least three made threes. And, you know, I think he's playing obviously the best stretch, um, you know, of the season so far for him. And, you know, you know, the reason why I was rattling off all those stats too uh, about the starters, you know, at the start, you know, aside from um, killing time and waiting for Will Lou to arrive um, is, is, you know, you know, we saw this against the Lakers uh, last week, you know, how well the starters played. And I know, I know the bench struggles got all the attention because that's the reason why they lost the game. And, you know, last night, when you look at the starting lineup again, 
you know, they the, those five guys played 19 minutes together and they outscored Denver by 25 points. And, and just mm-hmm. watching the game, especially in the first quarter and, you know, in the fourth and other stretches, you know, that, that completely passes the eye test just seeing how dominant they've been. And I know Denver's been struggling, you know, four straight losses now, and Mike Malone was really concerned after the game because, you know, they, they pretty much clinched the the number one seed. So this final month here, maybe it's kind of hard for them to, to kind of find that extra gear or motivation, but I don't want to take anything away from what the starting lineup did last night. And you look at these past couple of games, you look at the overall numbers with the starters, like I know there's a lot of fans that are upset about the Raptors not being, um, you know, uh, not kind of tearing the team down at, at the deadline, you know, entertaining offers for these free agents or even OG who, you know, may or may not be happy here. But, you know, regardless of where they are in the standings, you know, I feel like the, the Jakob trade has been a clear win for them. And I feel like there is a path here if you want to be really optimistic to look at it that, hey, if you can keep these five guys together in the starting lineup, like, I don't expect them to be this dominant, um, you know, all the time. But, like, this is a this is a very kind of strong start if you're starting to look towards next season as well of having this starting lineup keeping them together and then starting to look at how you can really add a couple of impactful bench pieces uh and then they can really make a push next year um what do you think about that outlook long term yeah i mean obviously the numbers speak for themselves you already rattled them off and i think they've been very effective in the minutes that they've been together on the floor i think going up against you know the top opposition I think I would be curious to see how that plays out just because, again, when you look at a front court of Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Jakob Pertl, um, you're not getting threes up, right? Like the Raptors won last night, but if you look at the box score, OG made four threes, Fred made eight threes, and no one else hit a three all game. And I think that is something that is not sustainable. And so how do they get these three-point shots up? Uh, Because we know that's what the league is about right now. Like, honestly, you need to be able to get up, uh, you know, 43s consistently in the league today. And so I think that's something when you look at the long-term outlook of this team, uh, you have to evaluate that. And so whether it's finding the right bench pieces that really just come in uh, and get those shots up, or, you know, it's rejigging the starting lineup in a way uh, that makes that feasible. I, I think that would be my biggest concern. But obviously, the results have been there so far uh, for the starting lineup. Um, and so that is something that Masai and Bobby have every right to uh, look at the trade and say that was a win. Yeah, and we've got uh, Will Lou of the Raptor Show with Will Lou joining us on uh, Jacob Wednesday. <laughs> What's good? Here. What's good, man? This is the second Jacob I'm talking to Woo. in the last hour here. How you oh, been? Man. Good. Well, how was practice? Uh, practice was, was cool, man. It was cool. Um, you know, shouts to Raptors PR for once again hooking up another interview uh, exclusive coming up on the second half of this program, but, uh, no practice was good, man. Uh, Yak actually spent a lot of time afterwards getting extra shots up and, um, watched a lot of one handed, uh, flick shots. Um, wow. Know, appreciate greatness. Yeah. He had to appreciate greatness. Yeah, I think he probably, made, he probably scored like 200 points in hook shots before yeah. he came over to talk to, uh, the media scrum. And mm-hmm. then Yak was like, all right, I'm done for the day. And then, and then Raptor <laughs> said, PR was like, no, 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 you're not done. They gave him the BOGO. Walked off. Savannah actually found the program. Savannah Hamilton was like, actually, I need a, I need a sidebar with him. So I'm like, oh, go ahead, okay. go ahead. Okay. So Yak went from, you know, 
thinking that he was going home to doing two interviews. One yeah. with Savannah. Uh, it, was, it was quick. It was like two minutes. And yeah. then, yeah, into the room with me. And, uh, yeah, no, it was great, man. It was great to hear, um, you know, Scotty's perspective on things, uh, Nick's perspective on things. Uh, and, of course, Yak spoke. A um, little tricky from an interview perspective just because I had a lot of questions for Yak. And um, mm. him being in the scrum right before that, I'm like, I'm going to dash like five of these questions right now because I don't mm. want to repeat. want to bring mm. new information to the light. But um, Journalist. It, was, it was a good time, man. V, we missed you, bro. I know I, you probably missed it for, to do this interview, right? Uh, no, I actually had to do another interview before hopping on this. Wow. So Wow. Uh, just had a few things to juggle today. So, so not one, not two interviews today. <laughs> is that right v? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah anyways will we were just chatting about last night's game and yeah. chatting about the starting lineup and how great they have looked i mean the starting the line is not the problem the starting line is awesome it's really just about balancing the squad as as, as uh big jacob here was saying but um no i mean it's interesting too because the other two guys who were getting a lot of extra shots up after practice were the two guys you would want to see that Right now, mm. it was Gary and, and Precious. Okay. Both those guys mm. also really putting on a lot of work. And I think those are the two guys. Like, if they can find their enthusiasm for the game, if they can play in their roles, if they can embrace it, obviously it's got to be a disappointment uh, disappointment to sort of shift from the starting lineup to the bench. Mm. And, of course, you got to find new chemistry and all that kind of stuff. And all that stuff you have to figure out on the fly against the best athletes in the world. But that's the job right now. And I really do feel like if they can really get it right, then I actually would feel confident in the mm. Raptors being able to sort of make some sort of push. I mean, look, all season we've been talking about how that push hasn't happened, and, you know, it's almost been comical waiting for it. Mm. But those are the two guys where if they get that kind of production off the bench that we know Precious is capable of playing at, that we know Gary is capable of playing at, all of a sudden that combined with the starting lineup, all of a sudden you actually can feel confident about results like last night being more repeatable. But, Vivek, I want to hear from you. Like, did you see any progress from Gary and Precious last night? Uh, With Precious, I'm going to say no. Uh, I think I I think it's been a tough goal for him over this stretch. And I think one of the things that's missing for me is, and I asked Nick Nurse about this, was, you know, last year, whether it was the first half of the season where he was struggling or the second half of the season where he was playing great, he was always aggressive, right? Even when he was making mistakes, it was aggressive mistakes. And I think the extent to which he's been passive over this stretch is what concerns me. And I don't know if he's overthinking or he's lost his confidence, um, probably a combination of both, but I would like to see some of that aggressiveness come back um, and hope that he can find uh, his game again, because I think he's too important to this team, uh, what he can do at his best. Nick Nurse talked about how, you know, he's probably best suited to defending wings as opposed to bigs. And that's probably what he's going to look to do uh, down the stretch. And so if he can just, get back to excelling on that area of the floor uh, and then running the floor and making the most of whatever opportunities come his way. I think that's the key for him with Gary. I, I do think there was uh, improvement over what we've seen, uh, made a couple shots, got to the line. So, um, you know, obviously it's been a low bar after the West coast trip. Hey but... man, the bar doesn't go lower than over nine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so I think that was progress, but you know, I think with Gary, I do uh, admire and respect the consistency in his approach to the games, yeah. right? He's, he's been a thorough professional throughout. And so uh, I think it's a matter of time before he kind of figures it out and gets 
his game going. Uh, I'm curious, you know, we talk about, you know, potentially this push to finish the season. At this point, having seen what we've seen, what would you even define as a push to close out? Like, I, I don't think the six seed is attainable. Um, so yeah. what would you define as a push to close out? Okay, well, first off, they're in a homestand right now, right? Mm-hmm. I think they're in a stretch where they're playing seven of eight at home. Um, yep. And even the one game that they're going away for, it's not a long road trip. Milwaukee's like an hour flight-ish. Right. Um, and so, yeah, and I'm expecting like a really, really strong push here, especially because, you know, you have OKC coming in. By the way, OKC, I, did they not have a slightly better record than the Raptors? <laughs> I'm looking at them like this is a must win, but I think OKC is also looking at us like a must win. Um, yeah, they're one game better. Yeah, that's yeah, that's thirty four and thirty five. The that's Raptors tough. are thirty three and thirty six. We gotta well, stop talking about these teams. Like, yeah, like the Raptors. No, are no, we, the Raptors are the OKC Thunder in, in, in the overall picture. But no, seriously though, like we really need to see a strong push against OKC. Definitely can't have a repeat of what happened at the start of the season when they played OKC. That was one of the low points of the year. Um, Minnesota, another game that again you need to exact some revenge. You already tricked away one game where mm. you were supposed to win against Minnesota. You have to take this one at the minimum. Indiana coming in, Detroit coming in again, Washington coming in again, Miami. I'm expecting like four wins at minimum in the stretch, if not five. Now, of course, those are, you know, famous last words for the Raptors season as a whole. But again, like this is, there's no more room for error. Like if they're going to actually try to make a push, if they're going to secure any, well, if they have any chance of getting to six, which as Vivek mentioned, I don't think that's really the case. I think the Nets have really studied themselves and they're going to be okay. Um, if you're going to at least be in the 7-8 position, which is infinitely better than being in the 9-10 position, mm-hmm. you need to take these games. And I don't see why a fully healthy Raptors team with Jacoperto and bringing in a lot of balance to the starting group and really enhancing things, that can't be done. To me, it's more about can you figure out how to get Gary good and how to get Precious good. And for my part, I mean, we'll, we'll see in the games, but I mean, seeing them stay after practice and, and getting all those extra shots up is, is, is the right way to go. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And I think, again, like we talked about this so much, it's like, Great win last night. So let's let's build off that. Let's see that one week of consistent basketball. It's, it's coming this man. week, it's right? Coming. Like let's see it this week. Let's let's get that win against OKC. Get that win against Minnesota. And and I do think if you're just looking in the context of the play-in, and I know a lot of people are not very excited about the play-in and the fact that the Raptors are basically stuck there, uh, regardless of seeding for the rest of the season. Um, I think you do make a really good point about the 7-8 because, you know, the 7-8 gives you two chances, right? Like like you have yeah. two chances to win one game, essentially, you know, worst case to, to get in. And I think that fits the Raptors really well. Um, you know, you get to <laughs> you get to lose one and then win one. Um, it's literally a mid-off. Wow. Yeah, which is way better than the 9-10 where you have to win two in a row. And uh, one of them, at least one of them is going to be on the road. So if, if they do want to catch anybody... You know, I think it is going to be Atlanta. You know, they're one game back of Atlanta right now. And like Will said, you look at the schedule, you look at these eight games, you know, five and three. I don't know if you want to dream six and two could is is doable. And and like this is actually it. There's only six games after this eight game stretch. So like this is actually it now to make the push. Yeah, and I think it gets if you have success over this stretch, like I, I think you got to get minimum five wins, ideally more. Um but if you look at the final stretch, like if seeding is in place at the top of the conference, those final three games are Boston, Boston, Milwaukee. And obviously on the surface, that looks like, oh, that's the worst possible way to close out the season. But if Milwaukee have the number one seed wrapped up, if Boston has the number two seed, I mean, Philly's probably going to be pushing them. So that might be a little tight. But 
if that seeding is kind of wrapped up, then they might be resting guys. And so that might give you a chance to grab a win uh, that you might not have expected. And so I, that's where you throw in the importance of this stretch, possibly picking up wins to finish the season where, you know, you've got Charlotte twice as well. There is an opportunity to really finish strong. Yeah. But then again, we've been talking about if with the Raptors uh, all season. This <laughs> Made is a whole eight. bingo card on Monday. Yeah, well, you know, no no bingo for you, man. Raptors Sorry. PR was a big fan of that, apparently. Uh, so. was, were they? Uh, no, no. Um, in any case, um, yeah, I wanted to ask. I mean, the, the bigger thing for me is just like, I would feel a lot more confident about the Raptors making this push if Pascal Siakam got back to playing mm. at his level. And I thought like last night in the fourth quarter, it was important that he got, I think he made three baskets in the fourth quarter, all of them through post-ups. On um, Jamal Murray. Yeah. Jamal Murray he had one against Christian uh, Brown, and he also had another one there as well. Um, but to me, I'm just like, look, if Pascal can get mm. back to his form at the start of the season and and whatever is causing this current slump, um, then I would actually feel really great about it. But mm. uh, until right. I see that from him, there is still that overall consistency where it's like, look, listen, as well as Fred played last night, mm. that's the best game of the season for him. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's not consistently at that level where he can expect him to carry it for you, both scoring and playmaking and on defense. Um, you know, Scotty can take that mantle occasionally as well. And, and we seem to see an OG take that mantle as well. But the guy that we have seen it for the vast majority of the season has been Pascal. Vivek, did you see any signs of Pascal shaking out of the slump last night or no? Uh, well, did I see signs of him getting back to being a 25-point scorer? No, not really. Did I see signs of him potentially playing better? Yes. And okay. so I think when you look at March, like before we get to March, on the season, we have come to expect 25, 8, and 6 from Pascal. Yep. That's the standard that he set. So far in March, he's at 15, 6, and 5. Yeah. So his scoring is down by 10. He's shooting 41% from the field, 26% from three. He's only getting to the line 1.7 times a game. Which is nuts. That that That's the part to me that's like, I can't believe it. There's there's multiple games where he's had zero free throw attempt games. There's multiple games where he's had one free throw attempt games. That's just nothing close to sort of what we saw at the start of the year. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that Nick Nurse made this comment pregame about how he thinks that some of the bumps that Pascal was getting foul calls on earlier in the season are not getting called now. And, you know, maybe that's just getting, uh, you know, accustomed to that playoff whistle that's coming um, or play in whistle. Uh, and oh, I think, oh, <laughs> is there such a thing? <laughs> <laughs> and so I think, you know, that might be a bit of an adjustment for him. I think obviously we know uh, the Fred Yako pick and roll uh, getting its, usage is also impacting Pascal. Uh, and so I think the adjustment to the role is another big thing. And then he's talked about uh, some off-court stuff as well. Uh, obviously, he hasn't gotten into any details on that, but uh, just, you know, maybe losing a bit of that joy. And so I think this is really important for him to close out strong um, and make a good impression in whatever play-in opportunities or playoff opportunities they get. Because at the end of the day, when you're this level of player, that is what you get judged on, right? And with Pascal, I think as much as we talk about the 25, 8, and 6, there is an expectation or uh, a question of, hey, will we see this level in the postseason? And so he needs to rediscover that level within the current version of the offense uh, and find a way to be successful down the stretch here. Got you. Yeah, no, I think 
that's the other part that you can never really figure out, right? Because I, I don't think it's a fatigue thing necessarily. I mean, it could be, right, just based on the fact that he's leading the league in minutes. But I actually don't mm-hmm. think in this case it's a fatigue thing. Even schematically, like, I understand that, like, more of the offense is shifted towards Fred and, and Yak. But I don't see why Pascal and Yak couldn't run a ton of pick and roll. And I also don't see why that doesn't explain, for example, in the lineups where Fred and Yak are on the floor and Pascal is asked to sort of carry those groups why he's also similarly ineffective. I do think that sometimes you see those moments of frustration. I mean, him getting into that little one-on-one with Aaron Gordon was a little strange. Oh, yeah. Second Raptor, mm-hmm. second Raptor by the way, to, to beef with Aaron Gordon. Yeah. Shouts to Kyle Lowry. <laughs> wanted to fight this man in the bubble. Aaron Gordon's like, come see yeah. me at the Royal York Hotel room 323. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle was like, yo, fight me in Disneyland. <laughs> that, that's crazy. Um, but One uh, quick I, thing I'll throw yeah. in. Uh, with Pascal as well is when you think about how he was successful in the past, it wasn't like he needed the ball in his hands. Sure, and, yeah. and so I think he's got to rediscover some of that stuff and just playing off ball and thinking about, you know, how he would cut to the basket or uh, those types of plays where it's like, Hey, Pascal, you've shown in the past that you can be very effective at getting buckets playing as a secondary. So some of that needs to come through now as well. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And I think that so much of this season has been like reorienting the style of play around Pascal. And I think that, you know, that really felt like all that they had in a lot of the games through, you know, February, you know, December, uh, January, that stretch. But um, there are more ways to play now. And I do think that, you know, I, I think there are ways for Pascal to slide into that. At the same time, though, I, I really do think that, you know, so much of this game is about sort of like managing your expectations, managing your uh, emotions. And, you know, people go through funks. It happens. Right? We've seen it with every single mm-hmm. member of the Raptors this season. And as soon as that happens, the fan base wants to trade them. <laughs> there is no tolerance for anything. And I, I guess that, that includes us as well. But, um, no, I, I do think that, again, like Pascal at his highest level is at a higher level than any of the other guys that we've seen on the team on a consistent yeah. basis. And there just has to be a way to sort of find that, um, whether that's coaching staff with him, whether that's him within himself, whether that's him and his trainers, whatever it is. Like, you know, if we got that early start of the season, Pascal, with this current group, I actually would feel pretty good about them. Um, as good as you can feel about a play-in team. But, mm. um, yeah, Alex, I, th- I see there's one last thing you have in the rundown here, which is... Uh, which is cracking me up. Oh, it's um. So is this the Herbie note? Yeah, it is yeah, the Herbie so, note. So yeah, we go know, ahead. We know Herbie. You know, we're big fans of Herbie. Yo, um, we gotta get Herbie on the show one we, time. Yeah, yeah. He, he might reject it at this point. Um, but yeah, you know, He's Herbie, gonna say nine. You know, we caught uh, <laughs> we caught Herbie. You know, getting excited about a Will Barton play uh last night. And, I think um, it was a give and go with Yaka Pertle in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. And do you remember how he pronounced Will Barton? Yeah. He said. Because Will Barton is like as as clear cut of a name as it gets. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's not like an American. You, know, you, you can like spice <laughs> up Jakoperto, or you can spice up Dennis Schroeder, or you yeah, can spice yeah, yeah. up you know Juancho Hernan Gomez or whatever. Will Barton has you know is straight up, but he was Will Barton. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> he, he tried. He tried. He's from the one. Great Britain now, so no, we respects. got some air drums from Herbie too. Oh yeah, oh, that's that's right. Right. yeah, yeah the, the jumbotron. Yeah. The jumbotron zoomed in on Herbie, oh, and, and we didn't even mention Red Panda. You know, I had to go see front of the program Faisal Kamisa at halftime. I missed the Red Panda performance. How, how could you? How how was um how was uh, the legend? How was the OG Bull Bull? Yeah. yeah. Well, first off, that's a great nickname. Mm. Um, second of all, I, I know for me watching it, it felt like watching Michelle Yeoh in Everything Everywhere All at Once. <laughs> I was just so emotional, <laughs> so rooting so for her. I'm like, this is my mom. 
She's for some reason kicking some cups into her head. Like, yeah. like I just want her to succeed in that stretch. And of course, they play that music where it's like only maybe like two, three bars at most. Yeah, and it's just looped. Yes, you know, and it's that like that traditional is, Chinese. That music. is as iconic as, as yeah. like the NBA on NBC music. No, you it, know? It, when it, it hits, you know what it is. It's it, Red Panda's music. It hypnotizes mm. you. Yeah. Right. Okay, okay, and then okay. all of a sudden, um, yeah. And then of course, like first, because her act will go. She kicks uh, one cup on her head, then two cups on her head, then three, and then four, and then five. Mm. Right, five is ultimately the length it'll go because I think that's the length of her calf. Okay, right. Okay, but okay. everyone has seen the Red Panda show. First time she did five, yep, it dropped, mm. and I was like, oh no, like this, this Man. might not be it. But then she had this determinate look on her face, and she's like, no, run it again. Mm. All right. So the Raptor, front of the program, you know, threw all the cups back at her. Yeah, and you know, she stacked them up, and then she did it. It was a very emotional moment, man. It was. Uh, nice. I saw a lot of Asians at Scotiabank Arena last night. <laughs> That's my takeaway. So did the security. <laughs> so yeah, I hope it was the same for you, man. Yeah, it was great. I don't. I don't know if it was the exact same. Um, it's probably <laughs> more like, of an emotional like connection evoked, for you. He's like it evoked no feelings for me. He's like uh, she kicks if, if they were to come out and perform not to not to. Oh, then yeah, I would, I would. okay. I'm not familiar with their game. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh man, I would have been all over that. But yeah. uh, no, it was still great to see Red Panda is elite, probably the best halftime show in the game. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it was great to see, and it's, it's been a while too. I can't remember the last time uh, she was at. Uh, Scotch Bank Arena. Yeah. Yeah, well, I wish we knew. We could have said what up to her or whatever. Yo, I, when we like, get the Red Panda exclusive interview on this program, that's how you know mm. we made a big time. That's a legend. That's how you know we made a big time. Well, V, appreciate you. All right, subbing in last minute. I know Alex was 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 nervous. He must have been sweating. No, this too. When he had so to tap dance. Right now, this guy was talking Ooh. so slowly. Ooh. When the program hit at 2 p.m. Ooh. and you weren't on the line, Vivek, this guy was speaking like half speed. Ooh. I was gonna list, was I was like, gonna list out the podcast and YouTube links. That I was gonna spell out the URLs. Man. Like, the YouTube link is youtube.wtb.com. <laughs> like yo, it was wild. But uh, V, you saved the day and uh, appreciate you and, and your time. All right. No, it, it was wild when I heard Alex. Read out the net rating for the starting oh, five. Yeah, I've never heard this man say net rating. I've known him for 10 years, man. <laughs> Nothing but net, baby. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. That was uh, Vivek Jakob. Yeah. yeah, well, we got another Jakob coming on the program the second half here. I was down at practice uh, talking to Jakob Pertle, the Toronto Raptors. So we will bring you that interview after this break. I've been your host, Will Lou. Actually, you know what? You've been the host, Alex Wong. I've been the co-host, Alex uh, – uh, William Liu, and uh, you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. Continue to be joined by producer and co-host, Alex Wong. And uh, yeah, as mentioned, I was not here at the first 10 minutes of the program today because I was rushing back from Toronto Raptors practice where I had the uh, great opportunity to interview Raptors center Jakob Pertl. Um, So here is that interview. Okay, we're down here at practice with Jakob Pertl. Um yeah, first off, just saw you going through a very extensive routine out there. Uh, I want to start here, actually, before we get into some of the other questions. But um, what drives you to, like, want to be great all the time? Because I, I see you putting in a lot of work for a guy who, you know, is very established. But, you know, you're clearly still very hungry. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a tough question for me. I think for me it's just about um, the fact that I still have fun playing basketball. So like I, I enjoy this, this work out there. Um, and I think over the years I found a good balance of like trying to maintain the, the stuff that I do, trying to add some more skill, but I'm not wearing the body out too much. Like uh, we have a lot of games in the season, so uh, you want to be mindful of that. But um, yeah, like I said, I think I found a good balance. Right. Um, okay. So obviously this has been a busy month for you. Um, take me through the trade deadline process. Like, you know, when did you know Toronto was a possibility? And when you found out that, you know, that was ultimately where you were going, um, what were some of your emotions at that time? And also, like, what have you had to deal with life-wise to sort of balance this, like, very dramatic move? Um, <clears throat> I mean, for me, I, I I was aware of the rumors. I was aware of the fact that there was um, conversations going with, with the Raptors, um, maybe a couple other teams as well. Uh but I really didn't know that the trade was happening until everybody else found out as well. So, um, yeah, when I when I found out, I was I was excited. I was excited to come back. Um, I I thought that we, I don't know, there was there was a good core here, like a, a good group that we can definitely build on. And and I was thinking that I could add a lot of value to the team, and I think so far that's really worked out. Yeah, uh, we can definitely see that. I mean, I thought, um, you know, for example, last night fourth quarter i thought you made a lot of great plays on both ends of the floor it's pretty clear that um that center position was sort of um missing for a while um you know it was funny because the way timing worked out you were playing in toronto in your last game with the spurs and it just so happened that that trade happened essentially overnight and so the next morning i I think i forget who described it basically you were like in here eating breakfast again and was is that not a little bit odd to you and um yeah, I mean that that whole process sort of like reacclimating with the guys and the team. I mean that had to be quicker than you would normally expect. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's been a very seamless process for me. Uh, I think, yeah, like you said, the fact that I was already here mm-hmm. when getting traded here um, just made it that much quicker. And then the fact that a lot of the staff here is still the same. Like, right. obviously, the the players have changed a little bit, but there's still a couple of players out there that I've played with. Um, and then a couple of the other guys um, I know from playing on the Spurs. So there's really like uh, a, a very quick turnaround for me. Like it was everybody was, was really um, everybody else that I didn't know was really down to earth, cool guys. So um, yeah, it made it really easy. Right, for sure. Now I actually wanted to ask you about the last time um, you were were dealt too, right? Because I think um, you know everyone got Demar's side of the story, and obviously those very emotional. Um, cause of how much investment he put into this franchise. And of course everyone focused on the Kawhi aspect. Cause it was like, is he going to play for Toronto and sort of, how is it going to work out? I felt like no one asked you like how, what went through your mind at that time. <laughs> so I wanted to hear your side of the first time you were traded involving the Toronto Raptors. Um, I mean, for me, it was tough. Uh, it caught me off guard a little bit. Um, 
especially because I thought we had a really good thing going the year before. Um, yep. Coming off the bench with that young unit, like we were, we were really playing um, good basketball. So I, I kind of saw myself um, staying in Toronto for, for a long period of time. And then um, obviously the trade happened. So like I said, it caught me off guard. But the more time passed, the more I saw um, like the, the upside, the opportunity um, of this trade for me, like playing for a coach like Coach Pop, um, getting to develop in a system like like they have at the Spurs, which um, worked out really well for me. So like like I said, the, the more time passed after the trade, like obviously in the beginning it was a little bit of a shock, but then I, I saw, like I said, the opportunity. I wanted to grab that opportunity and, and make the most of it. And, and I think, yeah, I... My time with the Spurs, I, I very much enjoyed. So I think that's that's worked out really well for me. Yeah, let's talk about that time with the Spurs, right? Because I think, you know, they're really known for um, developing their players, right? And I think one thing that's really cool with, this, with San Antonio in particular is how often guys are just around the team all the time, right? Mono's around the team. Tim's around the team. You know, um, you see all sorts of Spurs legends just come through consistently. And I think for yourself personally, getting to work with Tim as an assistant coach, what was that like? Because, I mean, that's got to be a dream to be able to work back that closely with Tim Duncan all the time. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was great. Like, Tim's, Tim's one of those guys. Like, he's very down-to-earth. Like, he's um, he's always down to help everybody out. Um, so, yeah, being able to work with him, he, he shared a lot of a lot of things with me. A lot of, like, small details that might seem minor, but, like, that can really help you out in a, in a basketball game. Um, and a lot of it is just, like, just playing against him a little bit, like him playing like right. a little bit of defense, like not even playing a hundred percent defense, but you, you notice things that, um, uh, yeah, like that you only get from playing against a veteran player like him. Right. Um, you know, Nick's pregame yesterday was talking about sort of, you know, one of the reasons why you're so effective in the pick and roll. Sometimes you'll throw in this like very subtle fake as you're catching the ball and then you're able to sort of step through and then finish at the rim. Those are, are, are those the type of little tips that, a guy like Tim can really help you with, or is that something you've always had? Um, I mean, uh, it would be things like that. Yeah. Um, this particular thing, like I think a lot of my quote unquote moves or like the things that I do in a basketball game just come from things that I develop naturally, like trying to mm-hmm. like right. fake out defenses. Like it's not really like a specific move that I work on in practice. It's more like, I think I pick up these games more from just, um, getting playing time. Like, right. uh, being out there on the court, like um, seeing real game-like situations and doing them over and over again. So um, the more different situations I see and the more often I, I'm in, in those situations, the the more I develop like my play style, my moves, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, now, another big part of developing in San Antonio, obviously, is, San, is uh, Greg Popovich, right? A legendary coach. What was it like to work with Pop? And, you know, you hear a lot of stories over the years about Pop sort of, like, yelling at guys and sort of, like, really getting into it. Did Pop ever yell at you? It's, it's one of my questions, too. I mean, you, you don't spend five years in San Antonio without Pop yelling at you. Okay, but, fair. Uh, for me personally, like, I, I really appreciate Pop um, for the, the opportunity I got in, in San Antonio. I feel like over the years, like, my role there just um, increased more and more and more. Mm-hmm. I was taking on more and more responsibilities. Uh, I got more and more freedom on on the court like trying to make plays for myself for everybody else like that i feel like that's really helped me develop my game um but more than anything i appreciate pop off the court i think he's a he's a great guy he's really invested in trying to teach his players not only about basketball but about the world like that we live in like about right, right. um 
all kinds of um, good things, bad things that are going on in the world. Like he's really uh, vocal about that type of stuff. And then also he's just a he's just a great guy. Like not you can not only have these like uh, serious conversations with with him. Like you can also just like uh, chat. Like just have yeah. have casual conversation. He's very good with that. Um, so um, and he's really pushed everybody on his team to kind of form a. Like this camaraderie, this uh, uh, this team bond, and and yeah, um, I think that's really good. No, that's uh, that's that's very cool because I feel like other coaches don't really spend that same kind of um, energy and effort the way that Pop does to sort of build the connections with the players, and that's why anytime anyone goes back to San Antonio, you see like the hugs and everything like that. You could tell they're such a close knit squad. Um, you know, I think there's still that feeling in Toronto as well to a lesser degree, but you know, coming back here, um, you play with Pascal and Fred when they. Um, I mean, came into the league together. You guys played probably G League games together. You probably played summer league games together. Like, you, everything, right? Even going back to the draft workouts. And I want to ask you, now that you've seen them both at the start and also right now as well, how do you think Pascal and Fred have changed as players? And then how do you think they've changed as people? Um, hmm. I mean, you you just tell the the uh, maturity like process they went through over the years. Like, I think especially Fred's always been a very mature guy. Like you just tell, like he's very level-headed, like you, he's kind of in control of the game at all times. Um, But um, even to a greater degree now, you can just tell that he's, he's out there like controlling the play pretty much. Like, and he's very good at that. Um, And for Pascal, he's kind of, I mean, he's, he's made a, a crazy development just from a skill point of view. Like he used to be this just like, rim runner like yep. run in transition like make hustle plays all over the place to now where he can still do that but he's just added so so many different um f- like options or or like weapons to his game um and yeah it's made him really really tough to guard and uh yeah as people i mean i, I think we just all like kind of grow up like that's the, that's sure. the main difference i noticed maybe they've they've become a they've they've become NBA superstars this morning that way. Uh, oh, okay. All right. Uh so there there's a little there's a little different like uh aura about him, like mm-hmm. a little bit of difference uh, like presence. Um but yeah, I think um besides that I can still just like I mean they're they're still like my guys from back in the day. Like yeah. so I can still talk to them like normal people, but you could just tell there's like a different step to them. <laughs> Do you think it's partially because they also won the championship as well? I mean, it might be the championship. It might be a couple of star appearances for, for Pascal, whatever it may be. Yeah. Got a little richer as well. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean? No, there's a lot of good factors. I wouldn't moving it. up in the world. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. But I mean, look, listen, I think, um, you know, going back to, to more humbling times, I would say um, yeah. there's a story that Pascal will always tell about his time of the draft where um, I think he came in with expectation of working out against you. And instead, he describes as he worked out with the Z squad off to the side. <laughs> Meanwhile, you had a one-on-one by yourself. And he well, got really upset at that situation, felt <laughs> disrespected, and went just really, really hard at that workout. And it clearly impressed the Raptors to ultimately choose to draft him as well. Um, do you remember that at all? I, I do remember that. Obviously, I don't know his – or I didn't know his side of the story until, yeah. like, I heard it from him or, like, I heard it somewhere where he told it uh, – for me, like going into the whole pre-draft process, like I, I was um, projected like somewhere in in the lottery. Right. Uh, so I think um, most of my workouts were were one-on-one workouts or like one-on-zero workouts type stuff. Uh, and I, I could see from his perspective and like knowing the type of guy he is, I, I could definitely see him uh, 
getting upset about that and like really wanting to prove a point there. Uh, and I think it's worked out pretty well for him because, uh, or for me as well, because uh, I don't think I would have wanted up, uh, to go up against the Matt Pascal and not work out. Like it would have been a, a tough workout to say the least. Uh, maybe it worked out for everybody, right? Because, you know, obviously you guys have become no. teammates and great friends as yeah, well. It's, so. it's been great. Um, hey, la last thing, actually, I, I wanted to finish up with rapid fire because I always do that. And so we'll go through some really quick ones. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually wanted to ask you just about your playing yesterday as well. Um, the MVP debate has been between Jokic and Embiid for two, three years now. You are a guy who actually plays center and has to guard both these guys. How do you sort of see it? Like, who is the more difficult guy for you to guard? I mean, they're, they're so different. Like, uh, I think... Jokic is the type of guy like you're guarding him and like you feel like you're doing a good good job but at the end of the day he still put up 30 points on 80% shooting like last with night. 10 assists like uh yeah. so like I think Joel Embiid is the more frustrating guy to guard because you you have to be like 100% like aware of at all times otherwise you're going to sit on the bench with three fouls real quick like, right. and he's he's so physical like and like athletic plus has like the touch mm -hmm. uh that he just he puts more pressure on you personally as a defense whereas like i'd say um Jokic is like you don't really feel it as much in the game like you feel like you're doing a decent job but like really he's just um creating plays all over the court and like right. he's like i said he at the end of the day he's sitting there with 12 for 15 and like has made great plays all all, all game long so yeah, it's it's just a different play style. I don't think there's a clear cut like guy that's that's better than the other here. It's just about what you value as a as a person in a basketball player. That's fair. I mean, you know, I feel like you can't go wrong either with no, other you, guys. You, exactly. you really can't. Um, okay, so rapid fire to wrap. Um, so I hear that you're a big FIFA player. Um, so is Pascal. Who would win in a best of seven between you two? Uh, right now, I'll give it to P. In my heyday as a FIFA player, there was nobody that beat me. Really? Yeah. Okay. What was your team? What was the team that you would pick? I mean, I, I don't, I don't have a team that I pick. Like I, I oh, switch it up. I, I, I usually go like a little bit lower than whatever the other person picks. <laughs> Got you. Uh, if you weren't a basketball player, what would you be doing right now? Uh, that's tough. A volleyball player. Volleyball. You'd be very good at volleyball. Um, I was watching an old interview with you when you said um, when you first joined the Raptors, and the host asked you, "What was the last movie that you cried at?" And your answer was the Pokemon movie as a kid. <laughs> so I, I gotta ask, what's your favorite Pokemon? My favorite Pokemon. Man, uh, Evie, oh, that's, a, that's a great pick. That's a great pick. All right, all right. Last question here, and I, I have to ask this. All right, I, I'm watching Open Gym. This is back in 2019. The Raptors were back in San Antonio the first time, and you guys went out for dinner together. And Fred gives you this greeting, and I want you to to hear what he says. All right, why did he call you Big Ugly? That's not nice from Fred. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I mean, just because he's trying to be funny. I'm assuming, okay. but That wasn't a nickname, to be clear. No. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. Because that's a horrible nickname. <laughs> All right, well, Yak, appreciate you. Thank you for the interview. And, uh, yeah, best of luck with the rest of the season. Appreciate it. All right, that was our interview with Jakob Pertl. Um, have it on the record that Big Ugly was not his nickname. It was just Fred being mean one day. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I always like to like get to, you know, the basics of, the, uh, you know, of sort of like what they're doing and also sort mm. of the narratives around their season um, and talk and, and get to know them a little bit in terms of some of the questions that you don't typically hear in a, in a media scrum, right? Mm. Obviously, those are more about like what's happening on the court. 
Um, and I try to obviously touch on those, but especially in that rapid fire, after we've talked for 15 minutes, I always like to sneak just one little curveball in there. Mm. Um, I remember when we interviewed Thad Young earlier this season, I clipped, I showed him the tweet. Uh, someone called him uh, a Thad Daddy. Daddy is it? Yeah, yeah, and then he said, that's something only my wife should call me. Mm. So this is, this is a similar yeah, we had a, we had a quote graphic for that. We, we, we decided against not posting. Yeah, we didn't want the Thad Daddy We didn't want the smoke from... Uh, Shakaya? Yeah, from Shakaya. Shouts yeah. to Shakaya. Yeah, shouts to her. But no, oh. we, we found out Jakob Pertle's favorite Pokemon is an Eevee. Yeah, Eevee Kwan. Yeah, shouts to Okay, Kwan. relax. <laughs> um, and... Um, yeah, and and it is not big ugly. Do you know what an Eevee is? We have a minute uh, here. No, I have no idea. But the, how do you but, not know what Eevee? Wait, hold on. But, really? No, man. What is that? Like, I actually I'm not familiar. So it's like a um, cat-like creature, I would say. Okay. But a very generic colored cat, kind of similar to the sweater I'm wearing right now. Oh, okay, okay. And then eventually, is that an Eevee pin? No, that's a meowth pin. Actually. Oh, okay. okay. Um, you know, big Pokemon fans, both me and Yakaproto, apparently. Yeah. And um, no, but you can give Eevee stones to evolve into different Pokemon or raise it in. Nah, man, this is me talking about. This is, we all, this is me talking about net rating, man. This is crazy. Yeah, right that's now. tough. So you don't know Eevee though. That's why. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, the, the Fred thing doesn't surprise me because remember Utah last year, or did Fred share this? Um, didn't Utah say like Fred always yells at him in practice or something like that? Really? Like he was always swearing at him. Yeah, he. I think he told you this in one of your seven interviews. <laughs> oh right, right, yeah, yeah. You're right, right. Big, big bully Fred apparently. <laughs> yeah. So are, Fred, are we working on the Fred interview too? By the way, I can't oh, wait. To... Oh right, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we might be speaking with Fred soon, but ask yeah, ask him if he's yeah, a bully. Nah. All right, yeah. I, w- I will. I will ask him. Maybe I'll play, maybe I'll play the clip ask for Fred as well. Ask our short king if he's a bully. Hey man, he was a, he was bullying the Denver Nuggets last night. That's oh, what he was doing. Yeah. Hopefully, we see more of that. But uh, anyway, that does it for us today. I've been your host Walu, and you've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please rate and review our show. A reminder: we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and everything live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday from two to three p.m. Thanks once again to Big V, <laughs> Jacob. He was very necessary for this episode. Thanks to Jakob Pertle. Um, thanks to our producer and co-host Alex Wong, our board producer Derek Randall, and Jennifer Olnick for helping with the YouTube stream. And we'll be back to talk Toronto Raptors basketball tomorrow.